1 Samuel uh, chapter 18, and this will be uh, part two uh, of our look at Jonathan. Uh, This is part of our series that we're doing, uh, I've titled Under 35, and we're just going to, if I get through it all, we'll just have two lessons on Jonathan. I could easily do three, but as we look at each of these lessons, I kind of want to move through each one relatively quickly and not get bogged down because there are so many characters in the Word of God, so many young people that God used who were great people of faith, and they were young. So let's just read, let's begin reading in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that is, when David got done talking to Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would, not let, and would let him go no more to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what more can he have, or what can he have more but the kingdom? And so, what I want to do is I want to stop there, and uh, before we get into too much about David, let's just pause in this passage and see what we can learn about Jonathan. You remember last week as we finished the lesson, I had put out the question for you to think about uh, during this past week on Why did Jonathan love David so much? And vice versa. But why did Jonathan love David? And I'll just pause here and if we could get a little feedback. uh, Because I know you guys thought about it all week. Um, (laughs) But what was it about why did Jonathan love David so much? In this passage it says the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Any explanation? When Jonathan saw in David. He saw the hand of God on him. Uh, the hand of God was on Jonathan. You mm-hmm. have that natural love between brethren that is, you know, not this day and age, you know, but as God's children, one for another. And exactly. I'm sure that Jonathan saw, you know, that especially that his hand was on David, and David was going places. He uses slang term, and and just realized. You know, the blessings of God, and he did because Jonathan loved God, he probably loved uh, the people of God, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Anybody else? Maybe his father's mistreatment, I mean, he's just a kind person, his father, his treatment of David made him seek him out. You know, just to be kind to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. They both had confidence in the same Lord. Saw the Lord supreme and the joy and uh, bonded around that. Yes, exactly. So, yes, um, what I will get into, let's go ahead and look at 
on why I believe the Word of God actually shows us why it is uh, that he loved him so much. It says here in our ver- in verse 1, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with David. It was after he heard David speak. And what was he speaking about? What had happened in the previous chapter? So let's go back and look at what David had said, not just in front of Saul, but what David had said that all of Israel by this point knew what David had said. Let's go back to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 26. Now before I read these passages, I want to remind you what Jonathan had said Remember in our lesson last week, we had seen how Jonathan had gone to war. And we considered last week the faith of Jonathan and how he had faith in the God of Israel and that he didn't rely on himself to win the the victory. He also uh, knew quite a bit about God. He had made statements, even as such a young person, he had made statements like, there is no restraint with God to save by few or by many. So Jonathan had won victories with many. And then, um, or a victory with many. And now he's going to go up against the Philistines, the same number of men. And instead of going up against them with a thousand, he's going up against them with just he and another person. But he laid all the credit to God. He did what he did for the glory of God. He didn't do it for himself and so forth. And so that's how Jonathan was. Now let's read how David was in the previous uh, chapter. I just want to pull a couple things out that David had said, and word of this would have gotten back to, uh, to Jonathan. So 1 Samuel 17, 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine, this is Goliath, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? <clears throat> Notice that. The, here's a young man... 16, 17 years old. I mean, he wasn't a 10-year-old. But he's 16, 17 years old, a, a teenager. And here he comes in, and his, his main concern is the glory of God. And who is this man that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thy heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? That's an important statement also right there. And he turned from him toward another. So he didn't stop there. He, he didn't stop his, 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 he didn't allow his older brother to put him down and put him in his place. Um, he was stirred up and he just went on to more people. And uh, um, he says, uh, he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former matter. And when the words were heard which David spake, they were rehearsed, they rehearsed them before Saul. So, the, what David was going around, and he's going from this person to this, this camp and this camp, and he's stirring up the people. Is there not a cause? And uh, oh, who is this guy that he defies the armies of, of the living God? And so it's moved through the military, and word of it got to King Saul. And someone went to King Saul and said, there's this guy running around out here, you know, crying out, oh, 
uh, for us to do something. And, uh, um, and so Saul sends for David. It says, and so Saul sent for him. And uh, then in verse 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, because of Goliath. Thy servant will go fight with this Philistine. So Jonathan is right there. Jonathan has already heard about David. If it got to Saul, it got to Jonathan. So Jonathan is hearing this. And then Jonathan sees and hears of this young man saying, I'll go. And, uh, um, and so he goes on and says, David goes on in verse 36. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. And so that right there probably struck a chord with Jonathan, uh, how he, David is trusting in the Lord. He says, the Lord that delivered me, in verse 37, out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And then go down to verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And so um, we know the rest of the story, how that just like, remember what happened in, with Jonathan when he defeated that, that garrison of the Philistines, just he and one other guy. The armies, the earthquake and the armies of the Philistines fled and Israel was able to go in and pursue and uh, defeat the army. And in the same instance here, same way, David kills Goliath, and the armies fled, and Israel was able to have the victory. In having the victory, they're raiding their camps, and they're getting weapons, and they're getting all these things so that the military can be built up even more. But we see that God gave the victory. And so it says in verse 57, go down to 57, it says, And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul. So here comes David carrying the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said unto him, Whose son art thou, young man? And David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And so now when we come to verse 18 of the very next chapter, it says when Saul heard these things, when Saul heard David speak these things, his heart the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So why did Jonathan love David? It was the things that you, you all uh, mentioned already. Jonathan saw and heard a young man who had the same faith in God, in the God of Israel, as he did. It was the same degree of faith. Um, and uh, um, he saw a young man... Remember David, I mentioned last week, David was younger, Jonathan was young, but David was younger than Jonathan. And here he sees a young man who is willing to step out in faith, putting his own life on the line. Remember he said, no one wanted to go fight Goliath and, and David had told Saul, he's like, I'll go fight him. And he's willing to, everyone's scared. Why were they scared? They were scared for their life. 
Nobody wanted to die. Everybody in Israel knew, if I go fight the Philistine, I will die. David was like, my God, we could say, well, he, didn't, he, was, he wasn't really putting his life on the line because his degree of faith was so strong that he believed God would bring the victory, but he still, unlike everybody else, was putting his life on the line against Goliath. And so, um, and so he was willing to do that, though, to defeat the enemies of God. He was concerned with the testimony of Israel. Israel's testimony is horrible right now. Here's one man defying the God of Israel, cursing and blaspheming the God of Israel. And it just bothered David to such a degree that he was actually willing to do something about it. And then Jonathan also sees a young man who was eager and willing to give God all the credit, all the praise, all the glory for the victories. David didn't say, I defeated a lion and a bear. I'm pretty sure I can defeat this man. He didn't say that. No. I mean, a giant grizzly bear versus one man, a Philistine. I'll take the Philistine. <laughs> I mean, but he, or, or a lion, I mean... But he didn't take the credit for it. He said, the Lord that delivered me out of the hand of the bear. And the Lord is the one that... He, he saw someone who was willing and quick to give God the credit for all of the successes that he would have. And then he finally, Jonathan finally had somebody, another young man who was as passionate about God as he was. And uh, um, I say finally because... Jonathan and David were unique in their generation. They were really unique in that generation. They were living in a generation that was morally very weak and corrupt. And it had been for a while. Um, go back even to the time um, of Samuel. Remember what the nation of Israel was like in the spiritual condition, even at the top the leadership when Samuel was born? Um, when Samuel was a child, Eli the priest was apathetic and his two sons were abusing the priesthood, corrupting the sacrifices with various forms of extortion and committing fornication with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And you can read about that in 1 Samuel chapter 2. The very fact that Saul was king, Saul was the first king of Israel. The very fact that he was king was evidence of the fact that Israel had gotten rebellious against God. They weren't supposed to have a king, but they wanted a king. Why? To be like the other nations. So here's Jonathan, the son of the first king of Israel, and it's all really the result of Israel rebelling against God. And so um, uh, they, did, they did not grow up in a, in a nation that was really all that godly. Maybe it wasn't as bad as it had been in the past, but the people of Israel, most of the people in the army that day that were facing uh, the Philistine, they were not godly people. And so Jonathan finally had somebody that was on the same page as him who was young like he was. Oh, Jonathan's father, King Saul, he couldn't relate to his dad concerning the, 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 the leadership of Israel and things being right. Jonathan did not see eye to eye with his dad as far as how things should be done. Uh, we don't have time to look into it, but... There have been instances already in their short history together um, how they were not on the same page. And, uh, um, but here's David who saw things the way he did. Um, 
Jonathan was probably very grieved by what he saw in the nation spiritually. And here comes David, already anointed by Samuel. Uh, David has already been anointed by Samuel to be the next king because Jonathan's father was so rebellious that God had cursed him in his, in his reign and so forth. And so, um, here's a young godly man. I want us to notice it was Jonathan who initiated the friendship between Jonathan and David. Now we know that they both loved each other greatly. But it's Jonathan who it talks about here. Um, I think so many times the focus is so on David and, and this, this, where it talks about their love... Um, it comes on the heels of David killing Goliath. So I think our focus is all about David here. But go back and look. It says um, in verse 3, then Jonathan, or in verse 1, when David had got done making an end of speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And then you come down uh, later, it says, then Jonathan and David made a covenant. Because he loved him as much as his own soul. Not David. Jonathan loved David as much as his own soul. And so it's Jonathan who is in a position of power. It's Jonathan who is the prince of the king. It's, it's Jonathan who is the initiator here. David is just is a young godly man who's just defeated the Philistine. And Saul is promoting him. But it's Jonathan who is loving David. David doesn't give his robe to Jonathan. Jonathan gives his robe to David. It says, And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword. Well, remember in our lesson last week when Saul became king of Israel, only two people in the entire nation had swords David and Jonathan. And Jonathan, or uh, Saul and uh, Jonathan. Uh, so the king and, and, and his son. And uh, Jonathan. Trust me, by now, after a couple of defeats and, and looting the armies of the Philistines, the people of Israel had swords now. But this is the sword that Jonathan gives David, is that sword. There was only two in the nation of Israel, and Jonathan gives him his sword. That was a very important sword. And Jonathan gave him his bow, and he gave him his girdle. And so Jonathan truly loved him as his own soul, and he, he, it's demonstrated there. Um, David was seventeen or so year old lad who had been keeping his father's flock. He wasn't even respected by his brothers, and even his father discounted him to a certain degree. And why do I say that? Well, remember when David was anointed by Samuel a couple ch chapters previous, and Jesse was supposed to bring um, his sons before Samuel, and he brings up seven sons. And he doesn't even think to bring up David. And Samuel goes and he sees all the sons and the Lord told him it's none of these. And so Samuel had to actually ask, do you have another son? Well, yeah, I have another son, but he's out with the sheep. And so this is the background of David as he's coming up. And, uh, um, but here we have um, David. But the point of that is David is coming into this relationship as a nobody. He's a nobody. Um, he's, a, he's a young man of faith. He's killed the Philistine. But other than that, he's just a shepherd. And here Jonathan is, giving him his princely robe, giving him his weapon, his bow, giving everything to him as though they are completely equal. 
in, uh, in Jonathan, we see a godly example of how we should be, how we should all be toward each other as the children of God. What we see there in verse 4, Jonathan stripped himself of the robe and gave it to David and his garments, even his sword and his bow. And uh, we should be, not that we have to give, I'm going to give everything that I have to you and you give everything to me. And, you know, we do a big swap every time we enter a new relationship as Christians. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. But it's a willingness. We should all be willing to give and esteem another higher than himself. Right? And that's what Jonathan is doing here. Jonathan is highly esteeming David because of David's character and because of his love for God and, and so forth. Jonathan did not, it's not, it's like, well, we've all commented how amazing it is in churches, the relationships between each other and how we love each other as a body. We love each other as Christians. And so many times we have absolutely nothing in common. We really have nothing in common. Before we're saved, um, and just the way human beings are in general, we're best friends with people that we have the most in common with, right? I mean, it only makes sense. Uh, You like football. You're working at a place, so there you have the same job. And then you meet someone who also likes the Seahawks, and you get to talking. And then they like, oh, you, you like fly fishing. Oh, I love fly fishing. Oh, we should go fly fishing sometime or cornhole, you know. And so you end up in the same cornhole league. You end up having relationships with people that you have things in common with. In church, it's an amazing thing. God puts all these people from all these different backgrounds and and saves them and brings them together. And and, this, and, and they're all completely different. And a lot, most of the time their likes and dislikes are completely, not even remotely the same. And God says, now get along. Actually, don't just get along, love one another. Well, we all know from firsthand experience that it's actually not that difficult to really, really love people that you have not that much in common with. Because your love for God is so much the same. And the more that our love for God and our desire to see souls saved and our desire to see the church grow, and, and we have that common goal. We have these lifelong goals for the kingdom of God. Yes. And and we all can talk about the future the same. We can all talk about heaven together. We, we don't talk about, you know, well, I don't know where I'm going when I die. And, and you know, like, we, we know we're going to be in eternity together. Like, this relationship isn't just about here. And so, um, we all have eternal life. We have so much in common. And so, that's why Jonathan loved David, is because of, because of all these things. What links will we go to to support God's men and the cause of God? Um, just read this passage real quick. You, you know you don't need to turn there, but in Acts 42, 4, remember how the early church was toward one another. And they hadn't been saved very long. I mean, it's amazing how the early church was because they had not been Christians for 20, 30, 40 years. And yet they were already like this. And it says, The multitude of them that believed were of one heart, and of one soul. Well, that sounds kind of like Jonathan and David. His soul was knit to David. And he loved David as his own soul. Well, in the early church, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. And by the way, one thing that's different about us and in the Old Testament is we also are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Yes. And I have this, I'm indwelt by the same Holy Spirit that you have. And um, there's that whole 
added aspect to that, that relationship yeah. too. Oh, neither said they any of them that ought. Okay, neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed were his own, but they had all things in common. Right. So they didn't look at their possessions as this is mine. It's like, no, they had all things in common. If you need something, just ask. You know, I'll give it, and, and vice versa. And so they didn't hang on to things tightly. Um, for the sake of time, I'll skip over it, but really jot this down and just reread Matthew 25. You're pretty familiar with it, I'm sure. Um, but uh, when we serve one another, help one another, we're helping the Lord. He ta- Jesus takes it personally. And when we serve one another and love one another, it's, it's, a, it's another way of loving Christ. Uh, Matthew 25, beginning in verse 34. Uh, Jonathan risked his own life to protect David by literally disobeying direct orders by the king. Uh, he, Jonathan was told directly to kill David. First uh, Samuel 19 and verse 1. And Saul spake, to, or Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. So there you have it. Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul, Jonathan Saul's son delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David saying, Saul my father seeketh to kill thee. Now therefore I pray thee, take heed to thyself until morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. And uh, so what we see here is that Jonathan had more respect to the king of kings and the lord of lords than he did to his father, who was the king of Israel. He was willing to disobey a direct order because David loved God. And Saul was not going to go kill David, who was a servant of God. He wasn't going to do it. And so um, the reason that he, once we understand why David, Saul, Jonathan delighted much in David and why Jonathan loved David so much, it makes it easier for us to understand why Saul would be so willing to disobey direct order from his dad to kill David. And uh, um, that's a proper perspective on how, on how things should be. Um, go over to 1 Samuel chapter 20. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 27, And it came to pass on the morrow, which was the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. Now they were in Saul's palace. They were having a, having a, a feast. And David, as a leader of the military, he was supposed to be there. And his place was empty. And Saul said unto Jonathan his son, Wherefore cometh not the son of Jesse to me, neither yesterday nor today? And Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, Let me go, I pray thee, for our family hath a sacrifice in the city, of, and my brother, he hath commanded me to be there. And now if I have uh, found favor in thine eyes, let me get away, I pray thee, and see my brethren. Therefore he cometh not unto the king's table. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said unto him, Thou son of, a, of the perverse and rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse 
to thine own confusion and unto the confusion of thy mother's nakedness. For as long, notice this, for as long as the son is, this is David, as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established nor thy kingdom. And that's important to notice. It shows Saul's perspective, nor thy kingdom. You're not going to be able to be king as long as David, David has been anointed to be king. As long as David is alive, you will not be able to be king. What is wrong with you, Jonathan? And uh, um, he says, wherefore now send and fetch him unto me, or he, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said unto him, wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? And Saul cast, so he's challenging the king in front of everybody. And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it, what was, that it was determined of his father to slay David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and did eat no meat the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had done him shame. And so, um, you notice how irrational Saul was? He said, in one instant, within a minute, he says, don't you know that as long as David is alive, you're not going to be able to be king? And then when David, Jonathan says, I don't know why you're so angry. I don't know why you want to kill him. He hasn't done anything wrong. And, Dave, and then Jonathan tries to kill him. I mean, Jonathan tries to kill his own, just throws a javelin at his own son. See how irrational he is? And, uh, oh, and he did that in front of all of the other leaders of Israel. What we see here is that Jonathan, we'll look at a couple other things. Jonathan was willing to step down and not be the king because it was the Lord's will. It was that simple. It was the Lord's will that David be king. And Jonathan was 110% okay with that. He had no problem with it whatsoever. Are we willing to step down or take a back seat? See, as human beings, we're so concerned about position and titles, right? Are we willing to step down and take a back seat so that the work of God is furthered in the most effective ways? Jonathan, I, this is very important, I believe. Jonathan was more concerned with the kingdom of Israel than being the king of Israel. Right. And he knew that it was God's will that David be king. And so he was okay with it. We really see, turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 23. We really see what Jonathan's perspective was. Jonathan didn't believe that he was going to have to die in order for him to be, for David to be king. Jonathan wasn't living out his life thinking, one of these days David's going to be king, and that means that I have to die. Jonathan didn't love David. I believe he loved him this much, but that was not his view. And we see what Jonathan's view actually was of the future. Um, he, had a, he had a view of, he was excited about he and David being able to rule together over Israel. That's what he believed was going to happen. And uh, um, 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 14. Um, David's been on the run. He's hiding in the wilderness. He and Jonathan had made another covenant. And uh, then, um, then they couldn't see each other anymore. But here as David's hiding in the wilderness in verse 14, it says, And David abode in the wilderness and strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul and David by this time has a small army with him. 
Um, and Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. And David saw that he was come, and David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wood and strengthened his hand in God and said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee. And thou shalt be king, notice this, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul my father knoweth. And so the two made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. So we see the word of God reveals to us what Jonathan's perspective was all along. It wasn't the traditional sense in which in order for David to be king, you you know, the whole kingly line would have to be wiped out. Uh, Jonathan just believed that once my father dies, David will be king, and I'll I'll serve with you. And we both, as godly men, both equally on fire for God. We're going to serve, but I don't need to be king. You be king. I'll serve with you. And he says, thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. And I'm sure they had had many conversations about how wonderful this is going to be. And can you imagine the things that we could get done and how different it would be? Because compared to Saul and compared to how things have been, if you were king and I was next to you, can you imagine? <laughs> you know, there are a couple of young guys and uh, oh, they were they were excited about it. But what you know, we're focusing on Jonathan this morning, and um, and there's just so much that we can take away as as as, as a really good example of. Pastor brought a lesson last uh, Wednesday night on humility, and Saul was humble. He didn't care about titles. He just wanted to serve God, and whatever role he was in, that's where he's at. But he was humble. And, uh, um, and so, um, the one key thing I want us to notice in this, in this verse right here, um, it says that Jonathan, he went out to David and he went out for the purpose of encouraging him, but notice how he encouraged him. It says, and he strengthened his hand in God. He went to him and he told David, not just about his hopes for the future and how this is eventually going to work itself out. And if you do this and you do this, and I think that I could probably get you some supplies over here next week and, and we working out all the details and this is how it's going to work out. But he strengthened his hand in God. Well, what does that mean? He would have been reminding David about the promises of God and, um, and encouraging him to trust in the Lord. And so... Um, as we close out, I want to notice, um, as you know, all of you here this morning, I'm sure know the rest of the story, how that David and Jonathan did not end up serving together. Um, Jonathan is killed in battle. Uh, Jonathan's father uh, is killed in battle. And um, David ends up becoming king. David mourns greatly. He lost his best friend whom he loved. He had to move on without him. All their plans for the future didn't work out the way they thought they were, they would. But God still blessed. God had a plan. And sometimes our plans, even when it comes to serving God, and we think, boy, you know, we're going to be able to do this and that. It doesn't always work out that way. In the early church, all the way down through church history, there have been men that have worked together. Some have died of natural causes. Some have been martyred. Um, You know, I think about 
how much the people of God, uh, Paul, when I think it was when he was leaving the people in Ephesus, and he told them that, you know, I will see your face no more. There's a lot of really, really strong relationships that we can build in our Christian life. And uh, just appreciate them while you have them, because it won't necessarily always be that way. You can hope and you can plan for the future and serving together, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily always going to be that way. Um, I, w- I just want to close with a couple contrasts here. Jonathan in contrast to his father. And we're focusing on, this is directed toward young people. Jonathan in contrast to his father. Jonathan feared the Lord, and the will of the Lord took priority in his life. Saul continually rejected God's plan and did not respect the authority of God. Um, Jonathan was humble and not self-serving. Saul was proud and self-preservation consumed him. Pride and self-preservation is destructive. It's counterproductive. We see that just, he was a king, but in dictators all the time. How many times does their their fear their fear in their their the conspiracies and and they're out and they, and they end up being so oppressive trying to it's all about self-preservation that it ends up bringing out such hatred in people that that's what causes them to actually be killed in the long run but Jonathan or Saul was just one of these that he was proud and self-preservation consumed him Jonathan loved David while Saul sought to kill David um, Jonathan trusted the Lord to give victories. Saul trusted, or yeah, Jonathan trusted the Lord to give victories. Saul trusted in the might of men. Jonathan walked by fate, and Saul walked by sight. The takeaway is that the son does not have to take after the father. We'll see this over and over and over in the people that God used, the young people that God used so many times in the Word of God were in direct opposition. I mean, the first thing, think about this, the first thing that Gideon had to do, what's the first thing that Gideon had to do? He had to rise up against his father's house and go destroy the groves. And I mean, just over and over and over. Don't fall into the trap as a young person that just because your family's this way and just because it's always been done this way, that that's the way you have to do it. No, you have to serve God. You're obligated to serve the Lord first and foremost, and he'll take care of you. All right.